Hi. Welcome, everyone, to the ICA for Aria Dean's Artist Talk. I'm Andrea Nitschi-Krupp, Curator of Exhibitions here. And I'll just briefly introduce Aria and then cede the floor because, like the rest of you, I'm much more interested in hearing from her tonight. Um, Aria Dean is an artist and writer, born in LA and now based in New York, whose work, broadly speaking, is based in critiques of representational systems. Dean's sculptures, installations, videos, and essays trouble received ideas of race, power, and form. Concerned with what art objects can do, have done, for their producers and receivers, Dean tracks artistic approaches against an array of theoretical positions, from post-structuralism to necropolitics, not just to parse the social and material bases of art, but also to grasp its impact on the ontology of blackness. Her work across mediums often builds upon and challenges touchstones of contemporary art, from Robert Smithson to Robert Morris to Ulysses Jenkins and Lorna Simpson. Dean's selected writings were compiled in Bad Infinity, published by Sternberg Press last year, which is also, you can pick it up in the bookshop downstairs. Um, recent solo and two Persian shows include the Renaissance Society at the University of Chicago, Green Naftali, New York, the Museum of Contemporary Art Bordeaux, Red Cat LA, Artist Space New York, and others. Her work has been included in significant group shows, such as the 2022 Whitney Biennial, the Hammer Museum's Biennial made in LA, the MAC, Belfast, and the Schinkel Pavilion, Berlin, for example. Her writing has appeared in Art Forum, Art in America, Eflux, New Inquiry, Extra Contemporary Art Quarterly, Spike Quarterly, Kaleidoscope Magazine, Texter, Zerkunst, and November. Aria is with us in London on the occasion of her solo exhibition at the ICA, Aria Dean Abattoir, which opened earlier this week. I see many of you were there. Thanks for coming. Um, which she created with composer Evan Zirk, who we've been really um, lucky to have with us here this week, and animator Flip Caustic, which was commissioned by the Renaissance Society in 2023 and co-produced with the Vega Foundation. The film wends its way through concatenated architectures of an imagined slaughterhouse. Emptied of the expected protagonist, the site itself and our virtual movement through it becomes the subject, a literal and conceptual framework for understanding structuralized death as a foundational aspect of modernity. The exhibition also includes a text and sculptural installation in the back gallery, vitrine, playful if grim objects that suggest another instantiation of the mechanisms that subtend Abattoir USA. Arias is a theoretical practice across mediums that critically offers us different interpretive models for understanding the sites and circumstances where the subjugation wrought by racial or colonial capitalism coalesce. Um, it's just really been a true pleasure and privilege to work with Aria on this exhibition. And all of us are so grateful she's agreed to do this artist talk tonight and share her thinking around the ideas that seeded the exhibition. And without further ado, please join me in welcoming Aria Dean. Hi, can you, is this, okay, yeah. It's loud enough. Um, okay, give me one second. Is, it, is there an image there? No, okay. Um, hi, I'm Aria. Um, thank you so much for having me, Andrea, and thank you to everyone from ICA for having me and also helping to facilitate uh, this iteration of Abattoir USA. Um, and thank you to Evan, who's here and who's worked very hard on this for now. It's been so long we've been working on this project and continuing to um, present it. And uh, also thank you to Philip 
Caustic, who you know made the abattoir, who's not with us today, but will hopefully be here um, in a few months to revive certain elements of it in a performance work. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I'm very nervous, and I don't totally know exactly why I'm so nervous. I think it's partially because, um, yeah, living with this work over the course of now, like, I mean, it was presented for the first time around this time last year in Chicago at the Renaissance Society. Um, but I think we started working on it about a year before that, um, and it started germinating, I think, long before that and probably longer than I recognized even just in terms of like other work and ideas um, that I've been yeah, presenting publicly and, and thinking about privately. So it feels like very like weighty. And I think that, I mean, obviously also the material and the, the concepts you know, within it are very weighty as well. So I just like, I'm trying to do the project justice as well as all the things that um, I'm preoccupied with in relationship to it and that I care about uh, deeply. But to give a sort of like very basic uh, introduction overall to my work, um, I mean, Andrea already said, but I, I suppose like a lot of things I've done um, are interested in the structures of representation, critiquing them, thinking about alternative ways to make images and objects to talk about how we interact with images and objects. Um, and within that, I guess, uh, by and large, I sort of holding a critique of the subject as well, um, sort of the you know, critique of, I suppose, like the liberal humanist subject um, over the last however many hundreds of years that we've been, some people have been working on the project of constructing such a subject. Um, but the slaughterhouse in particular, um, my interest in that, I guess, grew out of an interest in um, the writing of Georges Bataille in large part, uh, which I've mostly expressed um, in both video and sculpture and in writing too, um, in terms of a, a using his concept of base materialism. Um, yeah, I wrote an essay called Black Bataille a few years ago where I tried to work through um, overlaps between blackness in visual art and Bataille's based materialism and another video project that Evan and I worked on, there's a lot of Bataille's text kind of sprinkled through uh, this like direct address script that I that I deliver. So yeah, he's kind of like lurked in my work for a long time. Um, and with that also, I guess I just have had a long running interest probably preceding any career in the arts, um, interest in death and gothic things. Um, so like years and years ago, or like years and years ago, um, I made a video called A River Called Death. It was about this river in Mississippi uh, where my grandfather was from that I've never been to, but it's just in folklore. It's like this river called the Yazoo River and people called it like the a river called death. And there's all these um, myths about uh, like witches and like, you know, like civil war ships at the bottom of it. So it's sort of like Southern Gothic thing. Um, also made a work called King of the Loop a few years ago for the Hammer Biennial that more directly deals with that and sort of, I don't know, there's this thing where this guy meets this, whatever, there's a lot of, there's a lot of death stuff. Um, and uh, I think if you've seen the film, I think you also know that, um, yeah, while I'm interested in this in a, very, in a very serious way, I'm also interested in humor and ironizing and having some, yeah, I guess what people call gallows humor, um, like uh, literally there. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know, so I think that's worth saying in the background, but um, I think that with Abattoir USA, um, formally speaking, it sort of started with this this wager um, that it was sort of, and I'm, I'm reading off of my thing, so that's why I'm looking down. Um, I'm, I know that you guys are here, but, um, but uh, it's, yeah, a wager that's sort of similar to that of my sculptural work, um, which has, yeah, mostly been concerned with the structure of the relationship between subjects and objects, um, between subjects, again, like, maybe as objects, subjects as um, less coherent uh, manifestations than we might believe them to be, um, but making works that require viewers to engage their subjectivity as an object, asking what or who are you when you encounter the work. 
And this is often easier, I think, in object form, um, easier to present sculptures that, that might ask that. But uh, with the moving image, I've found that it feels like, like it comes with far more baggage, many more hurdles. Um, and I think, yeah, I've like, you know, presented but a few videos that I did some like found footage films like earlier on, um, but I've only made a few uh, films publicly that are like entirely constructed, let's say, not, not just dealing with things that I can grasp and repurpose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like this, this film is asking questions about cinema that I've been working through and writing um, often more privately. Um, and so with Abattoir, as with these other works, I wanted, I think, initially to ask uh, what or who are you? So on, there's a one level of this um, that, again, if you've seen the film, you are aware, uh, but I'm going to walk you through uh, the painfully obvious elements of this. But um, like diegetically and imminently within the film, we see the Abattoir from a first person perspective, quote unquote, uh, which is um, something between maybe an animal that's experiencing the process uh, of the Abattoir um, or the camera as a technical object um, imaging it. Um, and then there's another level, which is you and the film, um, sort of thinking about identification with this point of view, or potentially, um, and yeah, at what level do you identify with it? So my question was kind of, could the film and its diegesis remain imminent to itself? Can it just be a camera moving through a slaughterhouse, or will it necessarily be experienced as the idea of itself, quote unquote, cow or whatever other animal you might um, decide it feels like until the end. Um, uh, cow moving through slaughterhouse, bring with it the procedural associations, enclosure, killing, dismemberment, storage of the animal, or does it get drawn up and out into another layer? Does the viewer necessarily um, take the diegesis and create meaning, a meaning structure, uh, metaphor, allegory, analogy? And if so, what contours does this have? What does it have to mean? At this level, it's an unspoken and fragile contract between me and the viewer. Um, I wondered, does this have to become political allegory based on the material? Um, in other words, can I, and I guess specifically, part of I think the initial thing, and, and it doesn't, I guess part of this talk, I guess, is it's like looking at me, this project has been a, around for hanging around my head and, and my life world for a while, and I think the things that I was asking about by making it don't feel necessarily as central anymore. So I think that's like the natural progression of, of making a work and, and showing it a few times. Um, and also showing it both, it's shown in the context of installations, as you've seen, and all the installations basically are formulated with the same sort of um, structure, but then it's also shown in film festivals and like proper cinemas. So having sort of seen it in, in different contexts. Um, but anyway, but in the beginning, I think it was, the question was like, can I, as a black woman, um, make structural and or materialist uh, cinema? Cinema whose focus stays with cinema, um, its reflexive conditions of production and reception. Um, and I, yeah, I think now the question about whether I can or cannot do that is not so important, and it's not for me to decide whether the film succeeds in that. I mean, all of my work is influenced by that history regardless, um, and it remains, yeah, something I'm constantly thinking with and against, usually thinking with and trying to retain um, the presence of in the things that I make. But the who are you question um, for viewers is also less important. Um, because I think people's responses have been generally confusing to me, and they span um, a wide array of perspectives, call them technical, narrative, or social. So I think, you know, hearing people come out of the film, people are like, oh, I felt like the cow, like, oh, like, sad, or like, that was cool, like, it's like, Unreal Engine, like, you know, hmm, it's, not re it's not a real, like, film, it's like, just like, so <laughs> or like, oh my god, like, this makes me think about prisons, or so there's all these things that, you know, come into it, and and that's not to say that any of that's wrong. I think that's obviously, you know, that's part of part of the question of of um, making uh, moving images that think through what it means to make moving images is to 
you know, attend to those concerns and, and try to understand and, and, you know, like not necessarily deconstruct and like take it all apart and leave it apart, but try to deconstruct it to put it back together or something. Um, so yeah, I'm more interested, I guess, in having lived with this work for a while and staging it in installation form and in cinemas and the fact that, yeah, in this fact that no matter how much attention people do pay to the technical, formal, um, and imminent narrative dimension of it, generally people do want to extrapolate meaning um, and largely do so by ways, by way of words like metaphor, allegory, analogy, and this is no one in particular's fault, maybe it's just the film itself, um, but I just thought I'd talk about how it might mean something or not and what it means to me. Um, so, sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the slaughterhouse. Um, I became interested in the slaughterhouse for reasons I, I began to state, but also because it seemed like the perfect empty site for this experiment in identification, especially for my interest in blackness and the human. In retrospect, my reasons for thinking this were already far too laden with meaning. I'd noticed um, just through other reading and, and, and other doing other works, other shows, that French philosopher Georges Bataille and black American theorist Frank Wilderson, who, if you're not familiar with him, he's um, associated with the sort of not school of thought in his mind, but lens of Afro-pessimism, um, which is a whole other world, and if anyone has, whatever, we, I'm gonna get into it, but if we wanna go there in Q&A, we can go there as well. Um, but uh, both of them discuss the slaughterhouse in their writing, um, you know, decades apart from one another. Uh, for Bataille, the sort of most well-known instance in which he talks about the slaughterhouse is this very short essay where he talks about the slaughterhouse's function in society. Um, this is a quote from Bataille, he says, uh, it's a curse, the victims of which are not the butchers or the animals, but the good people themselves, who through this are only able to bear their own ugliness. And he's talking about the slaughterhouse being sort of relegated to the fringes of cities largely after a certain time. Um, after a certain point um, in like urban and like you know legislative history um, and uh, yeah so it's physically to the fringes of the city and it's like sort of centralizing these locations and also then therefore to the fringes of our minds so that we might live freely and, and without thinking about the violence that happens there. Um, for Wilderson um, he has this essay called uh, Gramsci's Black Marks Whether the Slave um, or it's most it's very specifically um, a critique of Gramsci, but he he deems this the cow question, um, or he deems there's this thing he deems the cow question, uh, which is in his writing an analogy to, just to he uses to describe the structural position of black people in the United States, where now quoting him, um, the black body is foundational to the life of American civil society, just as foundational as it is to the drama of value, which is like yeah part of the larger Afro pessimist uh, sort of theorization. Sorry. Um, so yeah, in this essay he's using critiquing Gramsci regarding his, you know, Gramsci's dreams of workers' revolution, and he's making this analogy, substituting cows for black people, and it's like this whole thing where he's like, if the workers of a slaughterhouse find a way to shift the relations of production, what about the cows? What is that to them? Do the cows feel better because they're being slaughtered by people who are getting a fair wage and who have staged some sort of, you know, like, yeah, like a coup within the stru structure of how like labor and capitalism works? Um, he says the cows are not being exploited, they're being accumulated and killed. So anyways, interested in this conceptual crossover, Bataille's reading of the slaughterhouse's function, a possible analogy between the slaughterhouse and America as it relates to black people, and then an extension of these, um, how the function of blackness, or the function of black accumulation and death, and the function of animal accumulation and death might be the same function, not necessarily through this, this sort of um, analogical relationship, but just that they both, functionally speaking, subtend humanity and civil society. Um, and yeah, so Wilderson's and, and mine, and I don't know, it's all this sort of problem of analogy. It's a contorted analogy that can't really lay itself flat, but um, Bataille's Slaughterhouse is 
you know, in his writing, located outside of society, but then is churning material and psychic forces back into it. And meanwhile, Wilderson Slaughterhouse is on the inside, so there's sort of something a bit like that doesn't quite line up. Um, there, in Wilderson, it's almost like this idea that there's no outside. There are like these nested slaughterhouses between these two theorizations, different scales and registers and levels of specificity, which I think in making this project was sort of, again, one of the, the knots that, you know, there's a knot of like identification in cinema, but then there was this knot of like, how do these, how do these things relate? They're not, they aren't parallels to one another, they're not metaphors, but there's some sort of like weird overlay. Um, and so yesterday, no, Wednesday, um, when I was doing a video interview for the show, <laughs> I was reminded by uh, Nicole, who I believe is the name of the woman who was interviewing me, um, of Foucault's concept of heter heterotopias, which I hadn't thought about in relationship to this, but had you know, read in school like ages and ages ago. And so I went back and I was looking at this as I was working on the talk, and I do think it's actually like useful, so I'm gonna like do what you're really not supposed to do and bring something into this that I've only recently reminded myself of, but um, you know, we can, again, debate if I did a good job or not. Um, but, so, but for Foucault, the heterotopia's role is to create a space, this is quoting, um, create a space that is other. Another real space is perfect as meticulous as well arranged as ours is messy, ill-constructed, and jumbled. And so I think this kind of opens something up for thinking about this project. Um, in general, you know, the sort of thing that Abattoir is positing is, you know, that in, in the slaughterhouse, as such, humans and machines collaborate to kill animals systematically and without struggle on anyone's part, perfectly modeling some form of reality or a blank reality, like not like a blank reality, but like let's put a blank in front of reality. Um, this blank is the thing that I've become concerned with or about. Foucault uses both prisons and the colony as examples of heterotopias, specifically heterotopias of compensation, whatever. Um, alongside these, it is clear we can include the slaughterhouse, the camp, probably the plantation. Um, and so, I guess, yeah, this talk is kind of more about, like, again, what this is coming to me, and I suppose, like, I think beyond the sort of um, question of this Wilderson and Bataille, the specific relationship between these two things, but kind of more about the model of relation between the two things. And as we've been preparing the show, um, or over the last two years of working on this project, I've had conversations with Evan and Flip. Um, Flip is the animator Philip, but also goes by Flip, um, as well as the curators of each, each institution, including Andrea, about what this relationship is, uh, what it is that we're actually diagramming with this work. By and large, the film, again, has been discussed in terms of analogy and metaphor, which I don't think is fundamentally wrong, but I think is actually, to sort of think through this and why that happens and how it works, is actually also about exploring another kind of conceptual material relationship. Um, and I think this is important because I'm coming to think that all of these places that I just mentioned, whether they're described as heterotopias or something else, exist in service of something larger that needs, that needs a name and further examination. It's not capitalism because we find slaughterhouses, prisons, camps, in times and places with other economic political systems, and it's not necessarily just humanism. It's not specific enough, especially temporally. Um, and so again, there are like multiple levels to this, but you know, first, I guess, to sort of draw it back to the project in the film. Um, can you see this? Okay. So, you know, within this, I mean, I'm talking sort of about this sort of like arch, like modeling, like what does it all mean, like way, way up here level. But um, <laughs> the slaughterhouse as an actual material reality is um, part of the project, slaughterhouse as a site. So just like, you know, yeah, going way, way back. I think that when I became interested in making a film that used the slaughterhouse, I got this Graham Foundation grant that then was like this whole thing where I said I was gonna like, I was gonna like research and probably like write some like, you know, 
this essay that was going to change architectural theory or something um, <laughs> about like slaughterhouses and modernity and how looking at um, sort of impact slaughterhouses as an architectural typology um, could impact how we talk about modernism and its relationship to life and death and sort of recentering or refocusing um, things on a view of modernism that actually makes death very central in sort of the most of the 20th century. Um, and so there's a lot of writing about this. I, I didn't, this is like, there are a few scholars who really have dedicated themselves to this and I started, you know, parsing through all that, but in large part, um, just some of these ideas that kind of exist at sort of this weird kind of subterranean level that, you know, the project doesn't, um, it's not a documentary about slaughterhouses, you know, it's like, it's like this weird film that, that thinks about slaughterhouses, but, you know, some of these things that we were interested in, that I was interested in, then became interesting in terms of, like, the score and how it's, you know, constructed and, and the textures that are there, um, but, you know, just things like the fact that, like, you know, industrialized meat production, people talk about the fact that the slaughterhouse is the basis for the Fordist assembly line, which has, um, you know, massive reverberations in culture from just then the fact that assembly lines are organized this way, but then also just thinking about, you know, labor who's working in, in those places and then post-industrial society when, when um, you know, car factory, auto factories become, you know, we don't need them as much in automation, all these things. So the protocols and attendant anxieties about industrialization, automation, all get wrapped up in this. And then also the slaughterhouse as an architectural type, as a generality, which also is why in the film it's, um, you know, generic. It's not based on uh, one slaughterhouse. It's kind of this cobbling together of a bunch of different ones. I'll show you some pictures later of, um, yeah, like some of <laughs> the process of designing them or designing it. Um, but yeah, it was, we kind of couldn't figure out. Initially, I wanted to, to shoot in a regular, in a real slaughterhouse and just like put a camera in the middle and like turn it around and make this sort of like one shot, you know, classic kind of, um, you know, experimental film. But it was impossible to get access to one for, you know, obvious reasons. People thought that I was someone from PETA um, trying to get them. And, um, and then also kind of as I was doing this research and realizing, okay, like I'm interested not just in a single slaughterhouse in a single moment, but there's all this stuff about like, not just 19th century and industrialization, not just, you know, Fordist production, but also about like the 18th century and like Napoleonic era and like things, just like all these different things were getting packed into it. So we decided to make this kind of generic slaughterhouse that draws in reference points visually from all these different moments, as well as a score that then does the same thing, taking like elements from like Hollywood film and romantic era, like classical composition and all these, and then like pop and, and like grindcore, <laughs> like it's all this like really, all these different things that kind of go in there. Um, which is to say that, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it's not, a, it's not a particularly effective discursive object. Like the point is that it, it, it packs everything and, and compresses everything into itself. Um, but a lot of that stuff, yeah, so it's like, you know, reference imagery from YouTube, old and recent documentary footage, Google image searches, narrative accounts, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so with this question of like modernism in the slaughterhouse, um, I was interested at a certain level in aesthetically what is it and sort of looking at the modernist paradigm, which, um, you know, this idea that like form follows function, et cetera, and the impact of American industrial typologies on um, international style and like that's like a well-documented thing, but the slaughterhouse kind of also being, you know, like union stockyards, et cetera, being another um, kind, kind of industrial uh, building that was that sort of did impact that conversation. Sorry, these slides are not actually in a very particularly effective order. Um, this is from Siegfried Gideon, uh, Mechanization Takes Command, in which there's a whole chapter on mechanization and death. It's pretty fun to read. Um, but, 
<laughs> no, but sorry. But so, yeah, but this idea that form follows function, um, like, and if you go back to, yeah, like, in Napoleonic era in France, there are all these debates about the appropriate design principles for animal slaughter and, like, laws about, you know, you can't, like, not, no signification and, and no ornamentation on the outside of these buildings and moving them outside of the city center. Um, so the sort of, like, yeah, leeching of signification at that stage not just being, you know, an economic thing based on, like, oh, like, industry does this. Like, we want to make things that, like, you know, form follows function, but there's really this ideological basis as well that has to do with um, excising the nasty stuff out of our understanding of life. Um, but this is boring. So then, <laughs> this is just an anecdote. And I don't know, but this is, I'm kind of running through this stuff because honestly, this is the stuff that doesn't interest me that much about it anymore. Like, this is like stuff that was very important in making it. Um, and I think someone else has or will write something really, really wonderful about like Le Corbusier and like the slaughterhouse. Um, and I've read, read a little bit here and there that has done that. But um, this is like, there are all these like little like inflection points like these that kind of built like energy towards this feeling like an interesting space to, to image. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, sorry, Le Corbusier building that um, has an uncanny similarity to an uh, abattoir design that he made, one of won his first architectural design prize for. Um, and sort of the lore is that if you look at this, you look at this, that he repurposed uh, this design for an abattoir for these this housing block. Um, which I guess complicates some of you know the sort of received ideas about like what modernist design um, is doing or says it says it does, um, but yeah. So I'm not you know that's I guess it's sort of all of this kind of felt like it led toward this thing of modernism as like some sort of like cover up um, blankness as a camouflage for um, other sort of more nefarious purposes, um, and yeah. Okay. So then sorry, going back. This is also, this is just a um, diagram of the sort of standardized um, slaughterhouse design uh, Temple Grandin came up with. Um, but yeah, but then, so going back to the film, I think that then the thing that has sort of, that all that stuff felt very interesting, but, and you know, the whole point was just sort of to make something that ruminated in a sort of like, I don't know, just like a sort of loose sense on these topics, but what seems to have, emerged is this thing that makes people feel really really upset or like really really like there's all this like every the conversations that i've had at least the people seem to extrapolate um a great deal of meaning from this sort of in my view very frank and and not meaningful um sort of walk through uh thing so i guess yeah again it's like the slaughterhouse has become this like potential analog or an open metaphor um, through which we can try to, or people seem to be trying to understand systematic suffering. And of course, again, like that, that was something that interested me in it, but I thought I could show it in a way that wouldn't just like punt us directly into that. And I think, you know, people like, because of the work they've done before, it's getting, you know, it's deeply connected to this Wildersonian um, blackness in America thing and suffering during and after slavery. And then like now having more conversations where, you know, suddenly it's also getting sucked into conversations about colonialism and settler colonialism and like, you know, Gaza and things and that feels really important to me and so I'm trying to figure out how like what I don't know it doesn't really the pieces aren't fitting all together and my hope was really to find a way to keep the film's meaning at the level of its material reality and to find a way to force viewers to resist their desire to analogize or metaphorize um, which I do feel like is a mode of thinking that depletes the real with each stroke um, but it seems to be the impulse but I guess now just like talking about why I think this is not right and what model I do think um, for meaning might work for this. Um, and I think that my problem with the metaphor or the sort of metaphorization of the project um, is that 
I think at this at a certain level it tends to hierarchize suffering. And so the fate of people I think there's you know, people like, oh, it really relates to prisons or it really relates to black America or it really relates to and I think that there's gotta be a model to sort of think about these things or the this this project can think about all these things at once without sort of being an analog for one in particular. Um and so I guess I'm just kind of, this is happening at a moment where I'm just, I think, in the, with the project, grasping for a framework that can sit above and collect all of these struggles, not just diagnostically, but with an active political stance as well. Um, and a lot of my work has relied on ideas from Afro-pessimism and accelerationism. Um, and in the last three years, I've been revisiting this thought with more scrutiny um, and sort of not feeling like this project can sort of funnel towards um, questions of identity and blackness in America on its own, but needing to do more than that. But at the same time, feeling like I want it to hold its sort of materialist or sort of formal um, focus. Sorry, I'm just like all over the place. I'm like, ah. um, but but after but so I think that yeah, the problem for me has also become, and this is I guess in some ways it's like I'm walking through this project almost in like sort of an annotative way because I think that the materials as they should describe us in relationship to like Bataille and, and Wilderson, but kind of trying to figure out a new way to to make it relate to those things. Um, but after pessimism is ontologizing of black suffering, at this point now feels of interest to me, but even when I was using those theories in the past when I came up with this project, I was interested in um, not just after pessimism for its own sake and not just the dispossession of black people or black suffering, but how those forms of dispossession potentially come for other people and other, other, other places as well. Um, so a shorter version of this is that I was interested in black death, but I think that interest has migrated toward death and violence period, and I've gotten a lot more interested in um, thinkers like a Killian Bembe and his idea of necropolitics that seems to be able to sort of open that question up. And likewise with accelerationism, I'm not so sure that an identification with capital on anyone's part holds any promise. If anything, I still agree with my claim that blackness has a weird intimacy with capital that should be worked through, um, but I'm not sure that that makes blackness a good candidate for undermining and destroying capital at scale. If anything, it's a dangerous intimacy in this chapter of the drama of value. So I think that what I've kind of settled on, this sort of like like word vomit. Um, but I think, I just feel like this project at this point now feels like it's about trying to map relations. I think it's always about trying to map relations in cinema between the viewer and the film object, or my film object, my film object in particular. Um, and then also trying to map, I think, a sort of set of relations that I don't really think have a name. Um, that again, it's not capitalism, it's not necessarily humanism. I think those are terms that I've tried and others have tried to use to describe the sort of, I don't know, dispossession or just maybe like creation of like a very, very large machine for killing. Um, maybe someone who is writing uh, a pithy PhD might call it necromodernism or something like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that I just, I've been trying to think through the show um, as, in terms of like models and trying to think about even the fact that it's a virtual model itself. Um, so now we go to Abattoir, um, the show, not a site, but a model. Also, this is um, the uh, Tony Garnier slaughterhouse. Um, so I've been thinking about um, artists who make models or who, whose primary preoccupation is to model relationships. This is Dan Graham's time delay room, which just like as an example of someone making a um, maybe more functional model than mine. Um, but I think in the past people have talked about Abattoir as a potentially site-specific artwork. Um, I think in part because when it was first shown, it was in Chicago and that, you know, those Union stockyards are there. So there was this sort of, it felt like a clear one-to-one -one thing like, oh, slaughterhouse, stockyards. But through that process, I think it was became very clear to me that I don't think of it as site-specific at all. I think that it has the trappings of that and has like, in some ways, an aesthetic of site-specificity, but um, it's, really, it's really not doing that. Um, and I think that that's been really 
productive for me in terms of thinking about how I want to think about you know the formal qualities of it being this like virtual model and being sort of so obsessed with how people interact with it and how it's sort of spatial relations are like you're in the space that you're watching on screen but also being kind of um, agnostic or, or willfully ignorant of sort of the larger uh, like situation it's it's showing and even kind of a little bit um, ignorant about like muse the museum even as, as like a space it's kind of just like sitting there in the middle of everything um, I'm going to skip this long stuff about Foucault, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I really, I'm being very, I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to do this in a way that's like frank and honest and kind of like really think in public about the project because it really just does feel like it's, t it's, it's changed so much and it's taken on so many different new valences. So I'm trying out this whole like model thing and it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe ill-formed, but um, yeah. But so I guess, yeah. <laughs> so I think then that, um, Part of what I was interested in, I guess, so just sort of going more towards this like model thing is that there's, I feel like the fact that it's not a real slaughterhouse and then it's a model of a slaughterhouse, but also sort of this generic model, it's a model for a slaughterhouse, it made me think a lot about um, what models are and what they do. And there's this great book by uh, this woman, Anna Kornblah, it's a literary theory book um, where she talks about, she tries to use the sort of idea of models to talk about like literary realism. Um, and that's really helpful to sort of think about it, you know, that people talk about models, models are representations of structures. They're also usually understood as abstractions. Um, you know, simply put, the model demonstrates a common mode of functionality rather than designating other kinds of shared qualities. Um, again, artworks that are models like the Dan Graham. And Abattoir USA presents a 3D model of the interior of a slaughterhouse, um, but it's not an abstraction either necessarily. Um, or they don't appear to be. In Unreal Engine, these objects exist in simulation. They aren't necessarily representations of something in the real world, just virtual objects, real but not actual. Something other than abstraction is going on here. The abstraction is always possible with these tools too. Um, and so I think that's been kind of like a weird hitch. And this heterotopia thing has sort of helped me again in the last week, um, that there's another kind of heterotopia that Foucault talks about, one that is a space of illusion space of illusion that expo exposes every real space, all the sites in which, inside of which human life is partitioned as still more illusory. So I think that our abattoir might perform this function, an illusion itself that presses, our brain, presses on our brains and makes us recall that the subject's coherence is illusory, that the relations outside of the gallery are by design. But beyond models, I think there's also, well, there is also this idea of a meta-model, which is yet another layer of abstraction that highlights the properties of the model itself. And this concept is more useful in engineering than in contemporary art, but I think it also applies to this project. I think Avatar is or has within it a capacity to operate as a meta, mo meta model. Um, I'm gonna skip the Guattari quote. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's said that um, conceptually, I think that my interest I've tried to describe here is in diagramming the slaughterhouse for myself and for an audience, maybe just by virtue of my doing it, connecting it to other similar models and structures that are often drawn into comparison. Again, prisons, camps, colonies, plantations, and posit that they might be models within a larger meta-model, or rather that we could understand them as such. A model conforms to its meta-model in a way that computer program, a computer program conforms to the grammar of the programming language in which it is written, which is sort of a really cheesy way of, that, of saying that, I think, is the thing that my dad always says about um, <laughs> people, which is that, you know, you can try to change someone's software, but you can't change their operating system. So in some ways, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the slaughterhouse, the prison, the camp, the colony, the plantation as different forms of software that operate under some sort of larger, it's not hardware obviously because we're still talking in concepts, but um, some sort of like umbrella relation that these things all exist under. Um, and then I will go back to this other thing. How much time do I have? <laughs> okay. 
Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that basically at this point, it's like I'm trying to understand. The project initially was a sort of um, a frustrated project in terms of thinking about cinema and wondering if I could effectively um, make films that were experimental in the way that I wanted them to be and, and also still attend to and maybe attend to politics I'm interested in and include images with the work and not just like, I don't know, make, yeah, an entirely um, abstract like cinematic experiment. Um, but then I think now that seems like probably I can, maybe I can't, it doesn't really matter, but I think that this sort of the problem of how the film itself relates to the things that I was thinking about um, and how it relates to the space of the exhibition feels very <laughs> difficult to parse for me. And as well, I think that it, um, but it, that's what I'm interested in, I guess. And I, I think this, I'm giving a talk that is totally more just like, this is what I'm kind of like thinking about and speculative and I don't sound particularly intelligent, but I think that these questions feel, I think about midpoint in the project, they felt pretty indulgent and kind of like, oh, like, yeah, what does it matter if you make something in virtual reality versus making it in real space? What does it matter if um, there are no cuts or that, you know, you walk through the thing that you hear a pop song at the end, but I think, you know, most of those choices, I think ultimately the pop song, for instance, just comes down to like, preference and, and having some fun with it. But I think this question of why use Unreal Engine to make something like this and what that does to people when they see it is something that I've been trying to work through and don't totally understand, but I'm very interested in the fact that it seems to do something other than, I'm, I'm almost certain that it does something other than what would happen if I put a camera in the middle of a slaughterhouse and I spun it around. Um, and I feel like that feels like a question, that, that difference is one that's about, has implications for films that I hope to make in the future um, that use similar technologies, but it also, I think, has something to do with very real material politics as well. And I think part of also, I guess the sort of other thing that I didn't talk about, and I'm just gonna stop because I'm, I'm, I've gone really off course, but um, this sort of question of trauma and the virtual, something that, you know, when I said there were things that I had written about for a long time that I, um, didn't realize were part of this. I wrote a lot about the question of like trauma and like um, police brutality videos or like war footage and stuff. Where I was trying to sort of parse the sort of culture around, um, I guess, like claiming um, that things were like, triggering or like that you felt something um, from these little clips that were like so so far away from us, and kind of trying to understand what, yeah, when violence like isn't actually in front of you or isn't real or when there's just like the suggestion that something violent has happened, how much does that really make anyone feel? Does that, and, is, and is that actually a galvanizing um, experience? And I guess maybe the, the reason I'm so like, confused is because apparently it might be. Like, people are like, wow, I really, but I just, I don't know. I think I'm still, I'm working through this question, like what are our ideas about how cinema works and how moving images work when we encounter them? Does making it, I thought that making it an Unreal Engine would completely shift that. It seems like it might have enhanced certain feelings. It might have diminished others, adding a, a sort of, semi-melancholic cover of a really like up, up, up pop song seems to have made some people feel way more bummed and made some people want to laugh. So I suppose like, I think in some ways I've, I've learned a lot from this project. Um, and I feel like I'm giving, I'm, now I'm doing this as though it's like a, a book report or something, but I, I, it's been super generative and it feels like I'm happy that I'm as confused as I am. I think that, you know, I've spent the week basically just being like, so what do you think this like does? What do you think's happening here? Because I really don't know. And, and it was an experiment and it is an experiment. And I think in every time it goes to a new place or when it's like at New York Film Festival or when it's here, it's a 
just completely different experience to me. Um, and that is exciting, but also uncomfortable because I think also as someone who writes, I'm generally used to like getting up and being like, yeah, like, and so da da da, da. but um, it feels really, really, yeah. And, and also just the world has, ha so much has happened and the world has like changed so much and there's so much shit going on. And I think that I can't think about it not in relationship to those things, which are not the things that I said it was about before. So um, yeah, I don't know, anyway, that's it. <laughs> if anyone has any questions. And I will, I will answer them um, honestly and with more clarity than what I've done just thus far, I promise. <laughs> Hi, um, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to ask about like your, I guess your issue with like the metaphorization thing. Cause um, I was wondering if your issue was more with it, like with the slaughterhouse being um, like someone reading it as being an interpretation of like a specific other thing, like a prison or whatever, or just with the idea of it being a metaphor in general, more of, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I think it's both. I think like, or it's more the latter, I suppose it's like, I think for my interest, and I mean, I said, I think it's like, it might just be that I like, it might just be that the film itself like fails to do what I was sort of trying, hoping that it might do. I mean, I also I was like, the whole thing was meant to be a big question mark, like, hey, what happens if I do this? Um, and I think, I th but yeah, I think that it's it's sort of the tendency to just like read things, I suppose, like that it's like rather than being taken as like, I am viewing this architecture through the lens of something that appears to be a camera, but also through the perspective of something that appears to be an animal. Um, and rather than experiencing it as just that, which is just what it is on the screen, just immediately taking it into another space. So I think it's like kind of, I think I've spent a lot of time trying to think through how to make films that force the subject to operate in a way that doesn't track with like those sort of dominant, um, I guess ideological like methods through which to experience moving images. Um, and I, yeah, so I'm frustrated by, I think that because, but at the same time, I, I mean, I made it to see if that would happen. So it's like, it's doing what it, it's doing exactly what it was supposed to do in that sense. But I also think, yeah, it is like, I think that another layer, it is like, I, especially I think in an American context, I don't know, I can't speak for here, but I think, you know, I make a lot of sculptures that are just like minimalist appearing objects or I make, you know, yeah, like I, I don't use, I, and there's always there's like these like, um, overcoatings, I think, of the work that, I, that I've made just because of, you know, my identity or something. So I think like, this was an extension in some ways of those sculpts, the questions I was trying to answer in sculpture, which were like, okay, like if I put like, you know, if I put this sculpture that doesn't have any, like it's kind of an amorphous object, but it's like painted black, is are we like suddenly like, oh, like blackness and like generally speaking, like yes. And then with, <laughs> with this, I was like, okay, so like if I like, if I recognize that there's this like Bataille and Wilderson overlap and I name that fact and I just, but I just show the slaughterhouse like, what is that? Is that just gonna, are we gonna tumble immediately into, yeah, like metaphors about plantations and prisons and, and police and like, et cetera? Or will we say on the bataille, like slaughterhouse is slaughterhouse side? I guess that, yeah, that's the, the thing that it was always trying to. So it's fine that it, that it but it, it also like, I guess I also just think functionally, I don't think that it is, 
a metaphor. It might be like metonymical or something. I think there's like, I guess I was trying to say that like the slaughterhouse as a real space existing alongside like prisons and colonies, et cetera, and having also sort of like being a space for killing, it's not like it's like the slaughterhouse is here and those spaces are here in terms of meaning. They exist alongside each other and they're being used to analogize. So I don't know, I, I it, yeah. <laughs> I'm better at questions. You, uh, you spoke a lot about the film. Can you talk a bit about the vitrine? Because I know in mm -hmm. Chicago you had kind of sculptural representations of abattoir doors. Mm -hmm. And here you've got a lot more space limitations. So you've got the vitrines and they're quite removed. Can mm -hmm. you just mm -hmm. go into a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, in Chicago, the it was basically the same dynamic. I mean, it's a bit, the spaces are different, but you go through doors that match the doors in the film and, and the same dynamic is present here. Um, and that was the whole, the, in Chicago, yeah, for the, anyone who hasn't seen it, like it, the only thing was the film in that space. Um, and here, yeah, we added this other room with these vitrines. And I think that, like, I mean, part of it, I think, is I just, like, wanted to make these vitrines. <laughs> but also, the other thing I think, um, the text that goes with them. So it's like there's, you know, the vitrines, and then they're branded with the word vitrine with an asterisk, and then refers to this um, wall text slash, like, poem um, type thing. And I think... One, you know, the branding, it's like sort of a material reference to the fact that, you know, animal slaughter and kind of enclosure and like, you know, presumably most of these animals have some sort of branding on them. Um, but I also just like making kind of loops, I suppose. So kind of this like self-same identification that like, and maybe this is also me trying to think through the, <laughs> the virtual nature of, you know, the film. So the fact that like, yeah, it's like that, that you're in a space that then is on screen as well. So this sort of like, like repeated structure, I guess. So the vitrine thing kind of like takes the object, puts it into language. But then I think also I just, you know, often I, I write a lot, right? And I write a lot in, I've written a lot of essays. I don't write as many essays as I used to, but I, and I also written a lot of like prose and poetry and I haven't presented that kind of work as much recently. And I think, and the, and the film doesn't have any language in it and I missed language. And so I think that also with, kind of feeling really intensely and, and feeling like uncertain about exactly how I, even like with this talk, like how, what sort of like discursive container to put all of it in. I think when I feel that way, I just like to like write like, like kind of stuff. So it was kind of, and I think, but then yeah, the text, um, I think there's like, I don't know, it, it, it was sort of this, I think, a lot of the film, and on sort of another level for me, it's about models of history too, like smashing together 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st century technologies and architectures. And, you know, vitrines are obviously, you know, you, you want to put something old in it and to look at it or whatever. Um, and I don't know, kind of trying to just think about in a very, very like loose sense, just like models of history and like capturing, capturing a given period. And then also about like melancholy, like the text is like, I think like, there's a, it's like not an actual critical, it's not a critique, but it's um, rumination on, I think, a sort of like melancholic disposition that I feel like I'm expected to have, a sort of like, you know, like being, like dragging history behind me or something like that. And I think that this project isn't super interested in history. And I think, but to present like, this sort of apparatus of information and like historical information with like nothing in it other than just like a little like a thing that refers back to itself was kind of like this I guess a joke for me um, 
and yeah, so I was like, yeah. Thank you so much for your talk, Aria. Um, and it's a lot to think with. Um, and the work itself is brilliant. Um, one of the things that I was really struck by was like having a familiarity with your sculptural work and thinking about that in relation to the sound on this piece. Um, because of course, like you know, thinking about sound is like an anti-sculptural object or medium because instead of a thing you go around it like goes around you um, but um, I was wondering if you could speak to like the development your collaboration how the score how it all yeah I mean, I mean you know yeah. they're here so <laughs> um, I mean do you want to take this one <laughs> I mean I can say so, and then you should, if you have stuff to add I mean um, I think well, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I, one, I think I like to think about sound. I'm not at all, like, versed in, in that, but I think, like, that is an important dimension of not just moving image work, but I think, yeah, like, all, you know, all the work I make. Um, I mean, with this, we started out with this idea that, the, like, there was sort of this uh, preoccupation in the film, too, with, like, you know, it's like there's a narrative, right? It's like you're, like, our narrative, you're walking through this, the, the abattoir, like through this process, um, but it's not really particularly narrative. But there's a there's a structure to it, and so we were thinking about um, like melodrama and sort of classical relationships between image and sound in in popular cinema. And initially, we we're like, okay, we're gonna like be totally like not subvert, but um, avoid or kind of just, like scramble and fuck with that, like that you don't you know feel something at the right moment. There's no like you know like the the big dance number, like whatever. Um, but that, and then we kind of forgot about that, and then. <laughs> Um, and then, like, I don't know, then, like, things kind of started, like, maybe, like, lining up more than I think probably that version of things would have um, made happen, which I think, you know, even thinking about, like, the meaning and stuff, I think that maybe that is sort of how part of it, like, how it's ended up in the space it has as well, because it does, like, you know, have, like, beats, I suppose, maybe I would, I would phrase it, and the beats, like, might line up with things, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the process was just, like, because Evan and I worked together on two other like one and a half other projects so far, or kind of like two, like one smaller one and then the Red Cat show. And I feel like it was, um, I just was like this, 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 like this kind of stuff, like cows maybe, like mooing, like a synthesizer with cow voices. And then Evan kind of just like, like, you know, did good work. I don't know, you should talk about this. I really don't I feel like I like. <laughs> it uh, shifted and changed quite a bit and like the question mark that surrounded it kind of like overtook us throughout the entire process um, and so I think the score wanted to do a lot of different things and ends up doing a lot of different things like at once it kind of materializes the space that you're looking at around you so it kind of reinforces like the viewer as the um, like interactor of the space and also creates a kind of like uh, narrative or backs a kind of like a story that might be applied to it that reinforces like the perspective of a cow moving through the slaughterhouse. Um, and yeah, I think it just kind of like shifted yeah. quite a bit. Well, as I also we the sort it. of then the spatialization of it as well, like the sort of like, you know, multiple eight, eight channels. Like, I think like then the way that you've like each time like remade, I think it is like, I think to me, maybe this is, I think it is like pretty sculptural in terms of it being like very much like, like the sounds are like objects in the space and they come at you like kind of like 
I don't know, I think they have that kind of quality. And one of the things that we like didn't realize could happen until like kind of late in the process of making it was that like in Unreal Engine you can like play sounds diegetically in like real space within the simulation. So that's something that like, you know, it is like a score in a sort of proper filmic sense in this version of it, but there's a sort of alternate path where like it also like those like the sounds could be objects basically like they could mm -hmm. be tethered to real objects so um and in the future next project i think like that's something that's of interest to think through but yeah i think like and i mean i think to me at least like i feel like also it was important to again gather a lot of different reference points and they're you know combined in ways that like don't um you know it's not like it's not a collage it's like they're, they're just all like compressed kind of in this way um and yeah, and also to not, I mean, while it does have like the structure of narrative in some way too, I think you know, we were very much like, no, like, like, it's not like you're gonna hear like the squeals during the, you know, kind of like to kind of make sure that there was a, um, what there wasn't like an indexical relationship to the, the sound, between the sound and the space. I don't know, yeah. Thanks, this is super interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you about the first person perspective. And this question is kind of inspired by Thomas Nagel's essay, What Is It Like to Be a Bat? Mm -hmm. You know that. Um, so I'm wondering, like, how much do you think we can actually, as a human being, identify with a cow's perspective? Because like, experiencing a space as a cow isn't just having a visual perspective. It's having a cow's mind, a cow's feelings, a cow's needs and desires. So I'm wondering if like, the prospect of identifying with a very different perspective is a kind of illusion, mm -hmm. or if that's kind of like on your radar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the gag, I think, was sort of the, I mean, like, in Bataille has, like, you know, a lot of writing with this as well, the sort of, like, you know, stuff about, like, whether or not animals have poetry, you know, that sort of thing, kind of, like, what that, and so, the, like, really, like, yeah, the, the thing was, like, okay, like, can you, like, this is, like, from the cow's perspective, but we can't, like, we can't, I, anthropomorphizing animals or, or trying to, like, like, reach across, like, that, we, there's not, like, that's also, again, this problem of, like, the analogy or the metaphor, like, it, you just don't know if that's real or not, or what that would be, like, um, and so, kind of like, I guess, maybe it's like a sort of cruel joke or something, but kind of being like, okay, well, like you're seeing this from the cow's perspective, like, and what, and sort of seeing if people, like, feel like if people are like, if if there's a, if it catches or if there's like a like a hitch, where it's like, oh wait, I can't like identify with you know, or 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 like, do, like trying to do that and kind of, and then also doing that in a situation where like it's so clearly not there was not like, it's so clearly not a camera strapped to a cow in any way it's like it, it the way it moves feels like you know the floaty like video game kind of thing and then also i guess again with this sort of problem of identity and like meaning and kind of extrapolating like taking things into like some sort of like allegorical space i also was like okay well like you know there's all this like yeah like what does that even just like get skipped over and then become a thing where it's like, well, like Aria Dean wants me to experience it as Aria, like you know, that it's like first person, so does it get attached to me? So yeah, I was thinking a lot about that and sort of that was, and reading a lot about, yeah, like sort of the, you know, even like with animal rights stuff, like going, you know, how the popular method for trying to, you know, get animals to be treated better is like being like you wouldn't want to like be in a slaughterhouse and um so yeah i mean that was very much a part of it um and i think yeah but it was from the position of like you can't like you can't know you know that but also but then there's a problem of also like i mean whatever yeah i don't know yeah sorry <laughs> thank you for your question hi hi Hello. I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit more on what you said about moving away from 
ideas of Afro-pessimism mm-hmm. more as you're kind mm-hmm. of progressing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so this is, I've been, again, yeah, things that I've been trying to, like, work through, and, you know, it's weird. It's like, right, okay, like, last year or two, I've been working on this project, and, or have made this project, I've been taking it, a, you know, on tour with it, like, et cetera, and um, then in the background, kind of, like, continuing to, like, you know, work on other things, read, write, think, and so much has happened in the last few years as well, and I think that the main thing for me on a sort of general level with Afro-pessimism stuff, I think is that I do think, and again, speaking from American and like New York, like, you know, whatever, like that the situation of blackness in America is rapidly shifting, and I think in ways that require some reconsideration of some of the mechanics of the lens of Afro-pessimism, that like the sort of ideas around the inherent outsideness, the sort of structural ontological nature of like, you know, slavery being an ont- ontological position that like a black person cannot shake. I, I think that these things need like, little bit of um, just to be like three-dimensional like extruded upon kind of like drop down into and thought through because I just at least in the art world let's say and sort of like in the sort of bourgeois realm of like culture industry across like art music television film I did sort of uh, the drama value for you know for Wilderson I think has changed the, the it's changed a lot I think now it's like we see and this always is happening is sort of like um, commodification of blackness, right, or something, but I think there's a sort of structural repositioning where rather than being um, treated as, you know, the outsideness of blackness not being the main sort of way that it's functioning, but rather kind of being more on the inside the membrane of like, or being brought inside the membranes of liberal humanism and sort of made to maintain that from sort of an interior perspective. So like basically like things like, you know, oh like wow, like we fixed everything after George Floyd. Like there are a lot of like black people on the cover of magazines and like that kind of being <laughs> like, you know, and so it doesn't change the fact that like America and uh, you know, the western world like a huge, uh, you know, is underpinned by anti-blackness, but it is being dealt it's being used differently. I think it's also about the economics of it and sort of the way that like you know, yeah, one can accrue value in certain ways that are in, in more, on a more widespread level, let's say, than before in certain ways. And I think that the other thing just is like, I don't know, I just think like Wilderson, like, I just think like Palestine stuff just changes a lot, I think, in terms of like how we talk about certain things or sort of like a more like, I don't know, or, and really because of like, it's like not just Palestine, but like colonialism, I think that Wilderson's uh, analysis of how like anti-box in the U.S. and colonialism work like doesn't does or doesn't work together or what like Fanon really meant like I think it's a little uh, I, I can see how certain certain critiques of it as being very motivated in certain directions might hold and I think that but and to go with the sort of other version <laughs> or like the like like I think that in Afro-pessimism there's a a malformed um, the antagonism between the slave and the human, as he put, phrases it. If you're familiar with if, with that part of his writing, like I think that that's like not actually well handled. I think that if like the terms are incorrect, like sorry, you you ask because I'm gonna like, I'm like, like, but like I think that the human is an epistemological category, and the slave is maybe in part, but it's also an economic category. And so really, I think that a sort of more functional analysis would be like the slave versus the capitalist probably and then that could fold into that could fold into itself more questions about colonialism more questions about um like you know labor and exploitation. i don't know you know what i mean so kind of like in terms of reconfiguring our understanding of like 
the fundamental antagonisms of the world, I think that that would do a lot more and would create more room for also like solidarities. And this is what I think I'm try was trying to say with like the models and like diagrams of different levels of, of things. Um, but yeah, I think also I just feel like, especially in the art world, it's like that stuff I've seen, I feel like I see it, I've felt it get used in ways that are like just more like, like I'm getting something from the stuff. Like, I don't know, so I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, hope that's a good answer. Hi there, thank you. It's been incredibly inspiring listening to you today. Thanks ever so much. Um, I'm actually a theatre maker from a theatre making background, so I feel like a little bit in deep water here, <laughs> surrounded by art critics and, and academics. So, yeah. Um, I'm interested because I came um, today, uh, I love the idea actually of, of having the abattoirs a site as a kind of site-specific place for metaphor. And for me, the, there's real power in that as a kind of, um, as a theatre maker and, and thinking about site-specific places that have um, a potential for, to kind of challenge people's perceptions and, um, and using art as a vehicle for change and things like that. Um, so one of the things I'm interested in is because for me as well, I was quite surprised that of the, the virtual model and I was in really interested hearing you talk about, you know, the, the questions you have around what would it be if it was real, more specific place versus the generic kind of culmination of lots of different places <coughs> and, and the virtual experience. So um, in terms of being kind of art as a vehicle for change and, and challenging the audience, I'm curious to know how successful, there's also something that was mentioned in the writing as well, which is really inspiring. How successful is, is this virtual model in overcoming barriers to empathy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like another, yeah, I mean, it's a great question, another sort of, yeah, um, thing that, it's a long running question, like before making this project as well. Um, I think, I mean, I have a, deep suspicion of, of virtual reality's ability to stoke empathy or, or, or also as empathy as a frame. Again, it, yeah, the sort of empathy as a frame for um, why to care about like another being's like plight or whatever, I think like, and then again, okay, this is also like why the, the sort of models thing is interesting to me, right? That like, the, that maybe it's not great if we feel like we have to be able to like literally like see from the perspective of like someone else to like feel for them and I think that this was again an experiment in whether or not that is really how that works I guess like and, and if and you know and just an experiment building on questions that cinema has had for decades and then um that with like virtual reality technologies has become even more concretized I guess like in that in that space um and now I mean I think it might be that seeing something from a first-person perspective in that in a virtual model, it might like ha create a feeling of empathy. Maybe it does. I mean, it seems like could do like show of hands, like no. But I think like I think it seems like there's at least it, it stokes like a people have a tendency towards thinking about things like through that maybe. But whether or not that um, results in political change or like action, I guess is another question, I think, too. Like, kind of like, 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 sure, you can be like, oh, wow, like, that felt really real to me, but, like, does that then make it real to you? I don't, I'm not sure, and I think, and this is also just for me, it's like, I think, like, the things that get me 
what gets me going is just like thinking about structures and I think that thinking structurally while very dry often and, and maybe like maybe seem cold seeming maybe it seems cold but but I think that like that is how like things happen um, on a real material level I think that like experimenting with perspective and feeling and empathy is really interesting to me but not with the goal of of not not with the expectation that it really does like create empathy or um, that that is something that is useful but I think it's important to, to test the, the limits of or something I hope that answers your question Hey, um, yeah, just on that note, really, um, I kind of, I've been thinking about that too, like the sort of, like earlier today, like the decision of like, why it is um, rendered. Um, and I kind of thought about how the um, suggestive gameability of the situation is kind of interesting, like how this like POV vibe is like, once it kind of suggests this whole, or it kind of evokes this like moral discourse around how you can empathize with people through putting yourself in their position, that type of thing, but actually, because it's rent, like 3D rendered, it actually is like more this like first person shooter mm -hmm. sort of situation where I kind of felt like it's interesting because as a viewer, you're usually like in those like games, you're the hero and you're like, ready to shoot mm -hmm. and you're like the perpetrator but you're not empathizing at all and like that's kind of the lure of it mm -hmm. and in this game which is not a game but <laughs> because it's 3d rendered it kind of and you recognize it it <clears throat> it situates you as a viewer within this sort of experience of games so i kind of feel like it was like so powerful how you were like the perpetrator, even though you were the victim, but you were the victim, but like, it was like, but who am I? And I mm -hmm. kind of felt like, because we as in, we are part of this sort of like structure of this like, yeah, capitalist like food production, but also like larger, like as you said, like all these layers that are within that, where it's like this sort of twofoldness mm -hmm. of things. And I thought, it's more of a comment, but I thought that was like, really what I thought was like so powerful about it. Mm. Um, and also like specifically right now of these like POVs, like how we watch like on our phones, mm -hmm. genocide and violence. And from a POV perspective, because we're used to like consuming it on social media from people who are there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like, and, and still, it's like really this thing where you're, you're maybe it's more like not facilitating change but it's more like this sort of exp like exposing it mm. because you're like supposed to is this me like is this a pov thing where i'm supposed to sympathize mm -hmm. but i'm not and like i'm putting the phone away or like and also in this film it's like yeah it's like yeah yeah i thought that was really thanks yeah powerful I mean, especially right now and i kind of like that it like develop like the work transforms through like in time mm -hmm. through being shown now versus being shown last year, this type of thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I think that that, yeah, the hope is that, I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's like I, the, the real, the, yeah, the, 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 the intent of the work, <laughs> like I think it was for me to try to create something that would ask you who you were, I think, 
and who you like who you are in the film like if, since it's first person but then also like do you know who you are in person but not with any sort of like and you're actually like <laughs> you know like I just don't think that that's not productive and that's not that interesting but just really kind of like uh, yeah maybe like a sort of vertiginous kind of thing um, and yeah and I think that the first person shooter element and like the you know yeah, it's weird to me to end up making something that has this like video game aesthetic because it wasn't, it's not something I'm particularly like uh, into, but it is a, something that I've, you know, like seen and thought about. But I think, um, but it does, yeah, the whole, yeah, trying to just destabilize your position, I think, is really, yeah. Um, sort of in response to what you're saying, though, and going back to this idea of how the work gets decoded, right? Uh, because I'm also trying to think about it um, in writing from the perspective of like the present moment. Mm -hmm. But do you not think that the, the um, first of all, I think like familiarity with your work would necessarily position the work as kind of like necropolitical horror. Mm -hmm. But then also, do you not think that your your position in the world, right, uh, alters the way that you experience the work? Like your proximity to death mm -hmm. might mean something different, right? Mm -hmm in terms of like how you enter because for me there was never a moment where I thought about the cow to be honest yeah yeah um, right not no, because the cow doesn't yeah. matter but because you know the yeah the slaughterhouse becomes uh, a way to navigate this relation yeah no I mean yeah I mean that's exactly what I mean I think you know it's like everyone who left before right now will walk away with a certain view but I think like the the like it's not that I it's like that's what I hope and I want I think that the it's like the sort of funneling towards specific metaphor, or like, or like thinking about the cow, or it's like, I don't, like, I want that, I want, like, I want everyone's individual, I want people to have, to like, remember, to know who, like, to feel themselves in the space watching and be, like, brought to sort of a, sort of situation where the, just, you're mostly watching the, the relationship between you and this image, like, that's the main focus, right? In a way, it's kind of like, the slaughterhouse is like, it's not, incidental to it but in a way that's like it's like not like the cow is not important like I don't I eat meat I don't really care like it's like fine but like, I mean I do care but it's I just think it's I'm being I'm being hyperbolic in a lot of different directions but I think that that is the the main focus and I think that I guess it's like the thing that has been weird about it is that I think I feel like people have talked to me about it and they're like oh like the cow like as like a thing that is like a trained response or something and it's like as though like but then other people are like oh like black people you know and it's like okay well like, like and, I, and then and it's just kind of playing with that like I think the whole thing is like that's so weird like it's so like who see like like and because I also think it's you know on the one on one level sure there's like identity stuff that dictates who sees it which way but also like you know someone could just have like a certain like could be like you know a like a cis white guy could have like a certain experience in history that like he's like this is like you know and like kind of, not like I'm just like making a, a a trigger bowl but like I feel like it's it is like I'm interested in why we just why we think images work in certain ways and and whether or not they really do and I think what I think I've been trying to get at with like sort of where it began and where it is now is kind of like well that part doesn't feel at, like it kind of is just like people are gonna like have different experiences of it and like but how to talk about that i guess is now really an issue for me like like that it's like there's not like one right reading which isn't i don't think there's too much battle battling over that but i think there is a lot of like mm, like almost like pandering or something like it's like to me like oh kind of like yeah like i love afro pessimism like like i don't know i just think like i don't know yeah but i, I mean i i that yeah i what you're saying is totally like i 
agree with you or I hear you and I think that that's like yeah like if there could be a focus group where everyone who sees it could like have to be like you know I mean I don't want that I'll be really like lame to have that in in there but I don't know anyway sorry <laughs> yeah but yeah sure <laughs> Oh, um, it's I Think We're Alone Now. Uh, it's uh, most popularly known as a song by Tiffany from the 80s, but it's the version of it that we based it on was um, Tommy James and the Blondells or Shondells or something from like the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Sung by a uh, cow from upstate New York and uh, cello played by Nikki Weatherall. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you.